0: Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Into ministry. So we're so excited for that. Are you ready to hear God's word this morning? And uh, it's my humble privilege every Sunday to be able to open this book with you. And to, uh, to speak, and it's, it's an incredible time. I pray it's the last time we do it in this school. Uh, we've enjoyed our season here, but next Sunday it would be wonderful that we would be back in our building. And um, I, I'm so excited I have to stay focused this morning. So if you have your Bible, would you stand with me and turn to First Kings chapter 19? First Kings chapter 19. And we're going to jump through a few verses so you can follow along in your Bible Your smartphone, if you have, or it'll just be on the screen. 1 Kings 19, we'll begin reading at verse 3. If you're there, shout Amen. Amen. Alright, so it says in verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and prayed that he might die. And these were his thoughts. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then jump with me to verse 15. Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came, and travel the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint... Hazael to be the king of Aram, then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and here's the important one for this morning, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meola, to replace you as my prophet. And jump to verse 19. We'll read to the end of the chapter. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak or his mantle, your Bible might say, across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first let me go and kiss my father and my mother goodbye and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. And in verse 21, So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. And he passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Would you pray with me this morning as we consider God's word? Father, we thank you this morning for your word. I thank you that it already will accomplish everything you desire it to accomplish in every heart, in every family, and in every situation. Now, Father, I pray for open hearts to receive your word. And ask that you would anoint my mind, my lips, and my mouth, and my heart that I might speak only your word only. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. This morning, the title of my sermon is, Burn the Bridge. Burn the Bridge. And it'll all make sense. I mean, we already read the scripture. You might say, well, there's no bridge in it. Uh, But that's okay. We're going to get there. Burn the Bridge. And you see, Elisha, his name means God. My God is salvation. My God is salvation. And just an interesting fact about Elisha... Is that he performed more recorded miracles than anyone in the Bible other than Jesus? So it's really interesting uh, as we discover the beginnings of his calling today. But it, you agree with me, it had to start somewhere. It had to have a beginning. And I believe God has incredible things in store for our church as well. We've been around for for decades, but I believe, and we heard it last week, as Spencer reminded us when Lee Grady was with us, that that God is doing something new here at Weston. Can you say amen? amen? And I truly believe when we get back to the school across the street we won't be the same church that we used to be when we were first in that building. Things will look, obviously look different, uh, things will feel different, but I believe as a church, we are more than ever before focused on what God has in front of us for our future and our calling for the next several decades of ministry. Can I hear an Amen. I mean, I don't want to be all alone in this journey. uh, But I know that God has equipped us as a church for what's in front of us. And here's the secret. We say, well, I want to know what this glorious future looks like. And I I want to to know what my calling is or my purpose is. And, And here's the secret. And I'm sorry if it disappoints you. But oftentimes, it doesn't usually happen on those dramatic days. When there's a guest speaker... In town, like last week. Maybe, I know God did some amazing things. Maybe you go to services when people come into town, you'll drive across a crazy traffic jam in the GTA to hear a speaker who's visiting, and there's nothing wrong with that. But oftentimes we're looking for these big, glorious moments for God to show up, some dramatic encounter, and sometimes it happens. But I want to point out for Elisha. That it was just another ordinary day, and this is where he got his new beginning in life. And today we are here. It's a Sunday. It's November the twelfth. I mean, we had my friends leading worship. By the way, I was when I was in Bible school in the states. Uh, we would drive up. Uh, our school is about an hour away from from Boston. And there's this beautiful little town called Lexington, Mass. And I showed up to this Italian church as a Bible school student on a Friday night to play drums. And uh, to just be, uh, it was the first time I walked in. And Carla, who who led this morning with her husband, Matt, she was on the drums when I walked in the room. And I was like, no way, this girl plays drums. And uh, so then that began our friendship. And it was I don't know how many, I was there for about three years up until I graduated almost. And uh, so that's the connection there. But, it, but it's an ordinary day. I mean, they're special and I'm excited to have lunch with them after the service. But today is an ordinary day. It's, it's November the 12th. You might say, well, I don't, I don't really like Carla and Matt. And that's okay too. You'll never see them again this year in 2017. And the beautiful thing is... Today might be your new beginning, where you've been walking in darkness and God's going to come and put his finger and tap it on your shoulder and call you to a whole new future that you never even thought of. And as true as that is for every individual here, and I believe that with my whole heart, I also believe it for our church. And it's important for you to understand that we've been around and we have a history. So did Elisha. We're going to look at that in a second. But it was about to change completely. And I believe that this is our turning point as a church. And I pray that you're ready for it, for what God has in store. I pray that you're ready. So point number one, it's an ordinary day. It's an ordinary day. Elisha's call is not dramatic. We see Ezekiel had a vision. Moses sees the burning bush. The voice speaks to him. Elisha's call doesn't even involve any direct encounter with God at all. Because it's Elijah who shows up and just like throws his mantle on him and walks away. But Elisha knew that something significant had just happened and he runs after Elijah. And you see, you have to understand, being a prophet in that day and age... Uh, In which Elijah and now Elisha were going to be ministering in or speaking on God's behalf, it was not easy. The prophets stood against the most powerful men in the land. Who? Kings. And they would confront kings, and they were apostate. They were not serving God at that time, they were evil kings. In fact, we started at the beginning of chapter 19, and remember what Elijah prayed? He wanted to die. So that's the weight of how crazy that time was to serve. And Jezebel said, if you're not dead by tomorrow, I'm going to come and kill you myself. And this is why Elijah said, I can't handle the weight of this anymore. I can't deal with this anymore. And what does God do? He tells Elijah, anoint Elisha now as your replacement. And I just want to say one thing before we get back to Our actual text and and where we're going this morning is be faithful in what God has called you already to do. It's important. It might be an ordinary day today, but be faithful in the ordinary day because God has called you. The minute we begin to think that, well, I can't handle this anymore. Like we're tired of showing up at 8 a.m. every Uh, every Sunday morning to set up. But the minute that becomes our attitude, we're going to sound a lot like Elijah saying, I wish I, Lord, pick someone else. I wish I could, I'd rather be dead. And what will God do in his goodness? He'll take the burden off of one and put it on someone else who's faithful and willing and ready. And my prayer as a church, we might be tired of this and setting up and tearing down and waiting to get there. But let us still remain faithful, though we might be frustrated. Can you say amen? Because I believe that God is getting ready, afresh and anew, to tap Weston on the shoulder and say, here's the future I have for you. And guess what? Elisha, on this ordinary day, receives this cloak or this mantle that Elijah threw on him. Maybe he would have buckled under the pressure, but he was ready. And I believe God has given us ample messages, sermons, prophetic words to prepare us as a church to be ready because that cloak or that mantle is being thrown on us this morning, church. And we need to be ready to run with it. Elisha didn't back down. He was ready for it. And he went full on in this calling, this new calling of his. And all I want to say is let's be ready as a church. No matter how hard we think or we know it will be, we must do it and we must be willing. It's an ordinary day. It's an ordinary day. You see in verse 19, what was Elisha doing? He was, the Bible tells us, he was out in the field and he was plowing. He was in the field and he was plowing. Yet, somehow, God knew his name, and God instructed Elijah to go and anoint Elisha now as his replacement. So let's, let's just consider that. And here are some thoughts I have to share with you. You don't need to be known by people to be known by God. You don't need to be known by people to be known by God. You don't need to be anyone special or do anything special for God to take notice of you. You might just be here today sitting even in the furthest bench in this cafetorium, as they call it. And you might be a no one. I might not know your name, but I want you to know God knows who you are. And we don't have to strive. We don't have to try to be something or to do something. All we have to do is be faithful and be who God made you to be. And God who made you knows how to find you. And he finds Elisha now. So all I want to say is, you need to remain faithful with what you've been given to do. See, Elisha didn't know what his future would look like, but he knew what his family looked like. He knew what he was supposed to be doing on that ordinary day. He was supposed to be what? Plowing the field. It's not exciting and it's not glorious at all. Yet, God knows where he is And I submit to you this thought, be faithful with little, and God will entrust you with much. The much isn't glamorous, just in case you were confused. The much is responsibility. Yeah, thank you for all those amens. If you're like, I don't want the responsibility. But guess what? When we are faithful with little, God wants to give us more. And it's not more, yes, more blessing and all of the above, but it's more responsibility. And at Weston, my prayer is we are ready for more. Can you say amen now? And God will hold you to your amen. So that's a good thing. That's number one. It's an ordinary day. And Elisha was doing what he was supposed to be doing. And he was faithful at it. And now God showed up. Number two is God qualifies the called. God qualifies the called or the people, or those whom he calls. So you see, verse 20, the moment of Elisha's anointing, it actually wasn't with oil. Because we read a lot in Scripture that they would anoint the king with oil, and, and it would run down. But rather, his anointing came with Elijah throwing the mantle or the cloak on Elisha. But it's interesting, the language in verses 15 and 16 that we read God said, go and anoint Elisha. It's usually a phrase reserved for kings. But for some reason, now we find it used for Elisha and this anointing. So it's unclear whether this was a recognized symbol of apprenticeship, this throwing of the mantle, or a common custom among the prophets, or a gesture unique to Elijah himself. But whatever the case... Elisha definitely understood the significance of when Elijah's mantle fell on his shoulders. Elijah's mantle is a significant symbol of prophetic succession. And as we jump, we're not going to jump there and read it, but in 2 Kings chapter 2... Elijah is taken up to heaven. That's a pretty cool experience. I'd say that's a dramatic moment in Scripture where this chariot, they're walking side by side and a chariot just swoops right in between them. And Elijah is taken up, but his cloak, his mantle, falls on the ground. Elisha picks it up again. He picks it up. He invokes the name of the Lord and then the waters in front of him split in two. And this is one of the miracles that Elijah had performed in his lifetime. And now God was confirming the succession. The way I was with Elijah, now I'm with you. And in fact, Elisha got a double portion of of that anointing. And so it's important to understand about this cloak. So it had significance for Elisha. He understood when the moment it hit his shoulders that something is shifting in my life from this moment on. Elisha on his own was just a farmer. We all agree? He was out in the field plowing. On his own, that's what he was. He was unqualified essentially to be a prophet. But his appointing... Or His calling, His appointing, coupled with God's anointing, is what qualified Him. His appointing, God's calling on your life, coupled with His anointing, is what qualifies you for the work of ministry. Did you know that? I mean, it's good to go to Bible school. It's good to obviously study the Word to show yourself approved. But in the end, I never felt qualified to lead Weston Road. And here we are today. And I just had to learn to step into my calling. I had the Bible school training, but in my mind I was like, I'm, I don't know how to do this. I have no idea how to run a church. To many extents, every step we take is a brand new step of faith. Being in the school, I don't know if our church has ever done this, aside from the shack that we had in, 19, in the early 80s when we first built our church building. And so... Every step I've been taking and we've been taking as a church is new for us. And so here's the thing for us to understand and to remember. That God will qualify you. You will feel unqualified, trust me. But look at scripture. So did Moses. He's like, "Uh, uh, 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 uh," I stutter. He's like, can't you use my my servant, my brother Aaron? And guess what? God used Moses. But he still had Aaron. But he used Moses. And God wants to use us. That's just one example from scripture. There are several other. Gideon was, was one. I love that story. Because he needed confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. That he was able to do this. What God called Gideon to do. So it's important church. You won't feel qualified. You won't feel qualified maybe when God taps you on the shoulder this morning. It might not be today. Maybe some of us, it'll be tonight when we go home and God just speaks to us in an ordinary evening on a Sunday as maybe you think, well, all I have to do is prepare for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But God will call you. And I'm I'm a witness that you will feel unqualified most of the time. But it's okay because God, when He calls you, will also anoint you to do the work He's called you to do. And I've heard it said, I'm an I'm anointed to accomplish my assignment. I'm anointed to accomplish my assignment. So God won't fail. First Thessalonians 5.24 says this, Faithful is He who calls you. Faithful is He who calls you. And maybe there are some of you here that God already showed you maybe a glimpse of what your future will be. But you just say, every day though seems to be an ordinary day maybe you find yourself in a cubicle but god has called you to preach to stadiums all i say is be faithful in the little god is refining you and he's preparing you and one day he's going to say now is the time get going and i believe that some of us we might just think well what's the point like i'm doing this down here as my everyday job but i feel god has shown me a picture that has nothing to do with it don't worry I've said it before, we think in a linear way, right? A, B, what comes next? C. Oh, you guys got it. God does not think that way. Did you know that? With me, I'm like, God, what, senior pastor, what about, like, there has to be like another letter in between that, that I I, I must have jumped or skipped. So when we like A, B, C, God likes to go A, F, back to B for a bit. W, oh wait, hold on, G, Z. And we're saying, whoa, this, is, this was a crazy journey, but I'm where God wants me to be. And you know what I've learned? Through all of those seasons, even the ones that don't make sense, there's a reason and a purpose for why you, and where you are, where you are today. And I believe God's equipping us in ways we don't even know and understand That when He comes, we will be ready. We will be ready to serve. So we said, number one, it's an ordinary day. Number two, that God qualifies the called. But here's the reality. Number three, there's a cost to the call. The cost of the calling. There's a cost. And in verse 21, the very first thing Elisha does is slaughter the very oxen that previously provided his livelihood. Think about it. If you own a business, okay, obviously the employees are all gone. But in our terms, it's like he, let's say it was a a grocery store. He took all the food out, gave it away to everyone who lived nearby, and then he burned the building. And some of us are saying, that's so dumb, he could have sold it. That's so dumb. He could have done so many other things with it. Or he could have left it there as a plan B. And some of us, if not all of us, tend to think that way. And today, it's important that we understand when God calls you, you have to follow and surrender everything. I'm not saying to burn your business. You might go to jail if you do that. What I am saying is burn the bridge. Burn the bridge. This morning, that might be relationships that tie you to your past. Friends. Family. Let God speak to you about that. Don't say, the pastor told me I'm not part of this family anymore. Um, I'll get a lot of hate mail and such. And I don't respond quickly enough to get back to all of them. It's okay to laugh in church or in school. It's all good. But there's a cost to the calling. A lot of us like the idea of God tapping us on the shoulder. But I don't know if all of us are comfortable with the cost that's associated with it. And I want to share with you real quick why it's so important that we burn the bridge. You see, verse 19 tells us there were 12 teams of oxen in the field. And Elijah was with the last, the 12th one. What that actually meant was they were very wealthy. They had a lot of money. They were well-to-do as a family. Even though he was in the field, they had a lot of wealth. Now God calls him, and when he burnt, he, he slaughters the oxen, he breaks their yoke and uses it as good firewood to cook the meat and then feed everyone around to just walk away from it all. And you see, some of us struggle with that. And I believe this is where God is touching the nerve, especially here in our city, because we've been programmed to work towards a career, to to have an action plan, to have retirement and savings. I have it as well. So I'm not saying it's not, don't do it. I'm just saying we're, we're holding on to it like that's the source of life. But I love this example because... Elisha walks away from it all, knowing that if God is calling me to something, He's also going to provide wherever He guides. Can you say amen? God guides. God provides wherever He guides. So where is God leading you? What is God's call for you? Maybe it's, it's a bit like muddy water, or we say clear as mud, and some of us are stuck there. But there's a cost that we have to be willing to pay. And I believe that as we prepare ourselves, it might be an ordinary day, we might feel unqualified, but here's the third thing, we must be ready to pay the price or the cost of that calling. When he burns all of this stuff, he was basically saying, there is no going back to the former way of life. There's no plan B. There's no plan B. I'm not going back. Elisha also gave up what he was obviously good at. He was a good farmer. He knew how to work the animals and plow the land. So think about what you're really good at today. Maybe it's not what you're doing for work that brings home the money. But think of everything that you're actually good at. Think about... How you make money. Think about the place where you work. Think about all of that. And now understand that I have to surrender that too. Those, those things that I, I'm like, I got this. I love playing drums. I'm pretty good. I think I'm okay. I'm a bit rusty, I'll admit. But that's something that, that I, I had to give up. For the most part, when I said yes to this call, some of you remember, I was like back in the day, leading worship, playing keys, then acoustic, sometimes filling in on drums, because music was that thing for me that, that I loved and that I would worship God with, and I still can do that whenever I choose to and whenever I want. But when the call came and the, the shoulder was tapped in my life, I had to realize as much as I love that stuff... There's something greater that God has called me to do. And here's the thing. I could have just said, no, God, I, I would much rather be back here on the platform leading worship and playing my instruments. Why? Because I was comfortable doing it. And it, was, it became easy because I, I was in that flow. But the moment God said, I have something greater for your future... I'm glad that I I gave God my yes. I counted the cost. And I was willing to say, Lord, if that means giving up those things which I'm most passionate about, to do something new that you've called me to do, though I feel unqualified, God, I'm going to do it. And so the key word, church, is surrender. Surrender. Have you surrendered it all to God? There's the cost to pay, but Elisha was skilled on the field plowing land but he just basically said I'm giving up what I'm good at for something I don't even know if I'm good at being a prophet I have no clue how this works but he just said God I will do it and he surrendered everything he burned the bridge to his former life and the things he was most comfortable with to say yes to God and how many of you know that God is a good God I don't think anyone will disagree with me on that one. The calling might be difficult, but God is a good God, whether it's hard or whether it's easy. Can you say amen? amen. So the promise is never that God's calling is easy. No, in fact, it looks quite different. In the New Testament, you, remet, you remember Peter, James, John, all the fishermen. Come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. They left their boats and their nets at the shore. Remember, they had one of the best catches in their life. Two boats full, barely made it back to shore. But they left it all to follow Jesus. If you're here today, my prayer is that you would be willing to surrender it all, to give it all for Jesus. And say, Lord, you can have my future. You can have everything Because in the end, you gave everything to me anyways. I'm going to ask if uh, the worship team would come back as we prepare to close. You know, individually, it might be easy to, to say, yes, I'm willing to surrender my future. But also for our church, are we willing to surrender our future as a church and say, God, whatever you want us to do, No matter the cost, we will lay down our lives for it. And I know it's not an easy call to be able to say that. But my prayer is that as a church, we would be united in this one thing. We say, yes, God. Yes, Lord. Whatever you call us to do as a church, we will do it. You see, the cost of the calling is also shows us Elijah's, Elisha's commitment to the calling. Number one, he burned everything. And then secondly, he faithfully served Elijah as his apprentice or disciple. Let me just say one thing, and we're going to close in just a moment. You see, when he received that, that mantle on his shoulders that day, on the ordinary day, out on the field, He didn't instantly become the next prophet. It went on and on and on that he was just a disciple. Like Lee talked about last week, that we need to be mentors and disciple other people under us. And we like, like, oh, the title, I'm a leader now, I'm I'm Elisha, I'm a prophet now. We like those kind of titles maybe in church or in the workplace. In the workplace, you'll probably get more money. In in God's economy or kingdom, it's actually more responsibility. That's promotion that he gives. But here's the thing. It's it's important for us to not miss it. He faithfully served Elijah as an apprentice, as a disciple. He wasn't even a prophet yet. He had to actually wait until that glorious dramatic moment where the chariot took him up my question is and this is what i sense that there are people in the room you might know what god has called you to do but you've been in this wandering season and you've kind of been just wandering and waiting trying to be faithful and i believe god today is just reminding you simply I'm faithful. I called you and I'm faithful. I've called you and I'm faithful. I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten the words that were spoken over some of you in this room. God has not forgotten. And I want you to know that I don't know who that's for this morning. But the word God spoke over your life, that that ordinary day where you felt that tug, that calling, God hasn't forgotten. And I want to share with you, just before we get to praying, four simple ways on how to answer God's call. Four ways to answer God's call. It's great to talk about it, but tell me what to do. What do I do in the waiting? So number one, know where you are. Not who you are, know where you are. See, Elisha was a farmer. He already knew who he was, what family he grew up in. But where? Know where you are. He's like, this is, this is all I know to do, so this is where I am. So number one, know where you are. If you walk into a mall, the only helpful thing, those maps, you're right, we all like to try to find the stores, they're only helpful Once you know where you are. Because you might look at all the stores, all, all the boxes, but you're like, but where am I on the map? Like, that's why there's a big red arrow usually, or a dot that says, you are here. Number one, know where you are. That might apply differently for all of us. Some of you are saved you call yourself a son or a daughter of God. Some of you are like, this is my first time ever in church and I have no idea what you're talking about, but that's okay. You're here today. You're here today. Know where you are. Number one, number two, know what you are not. Know what you are not. Why is that important? So you recognize God's anointing. Know what you are not, so you can recognize God's anointing. Elisha wasn't already a prophet. So he knew he was not a prophet. But that's how he recognizes the anointing on his life. I knew I wasn't a senior pastor before. I'd never done it, never sat in that chair, wore that hat, or anything. But I knew that when God called me, I said, now I recognize that there's an anointing here to do this work as a lead pastor. So know what you are not, because when God calls you, when the anointing comes, boom, you recognize, wow, this isn't me. I'm nobody special, but this is totally you, God. Number three, give up everything that makes you comfortable. Number three, give up everything that makes you comfortable. And number four, burn the bridge. Burn the bridge. You see, a bridge can be helpful or it can be a stumbling block. It's helpful because it can help us get to the other side. But here's also the thing. Once we're on the other side, there's always the temptation to look back. And as we look back, we say, huh, well, it was much easier when I was just sitting on the couch. It was a lot easier when I was just leading worship or playing the drums only. But once I burned the bridge and I've accepted, now I walk in that calling every single day of my life. I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Come on, can somebody say amen? I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. This morning, I invite you to stand to your feet. This is probably the most serious part of our morning this morning. I'm just going to ask for your 100% focus and attention. No distractions, no people walking around. If you're here this morning... There are two, two people I want to pray for today. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, there are people who sense the calling of God on their lives, but who are dormant, who are not using their gifts or, or walking in that calling. And I want to pray for you today at these altars. And then secondly, there are people here who are just here. And you you don't know why. You don't have a purpose. But God has a purpose. You just don't know it yet. And I want to pray for you today. And as we pray, I believe that God is going to unlock everything that has been held back from your life. And God is saying, I'm ready to tap you on the shoulder. I'm ready to activate your life for my kingdom. With every... You don't even have to close your eyes. I was going to say every head bow, but yeah, we'll pray. But I'm, I'm going to open up these altars today for those two people, and I invite you to come now. We're going to just take a few moments, and we're going to pray in the name of Jesus. Those of you who've been walking around, you know you're called. You know that there are giftings, but you just kind of don't know what season you're walking in, and you don't know why. And then two, there are people who, ha- who, who are just here and God is about to tap you on the shoulder. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.